Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you tonight a little bit, if the Lord will help me. On warfare, on spiritual warfare. Naturally, any time that God begins to awaken something, naturally, any time when God begins to move, when God begins to open up ways, when God begins to show Himself and and mighty ways, as Jeremiah would say, he, would Jeremiah would say, "Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you that you that you don't know." Any time that God starts moving, Satan will always try to fight. Sure, Amen. Yeah. Satan will always try to maneuver or outmaneuver. Or to hinder what God is wanting to do in the church. What God is wanting to do in our lives. What God is wanting to do in our families. And I believe, I believe right now, even as that I speak, that spiritual warfare is at an all-time high. I can't, just a quick survey for us to talk about. What we've experienced over the last couple of couple of years, we have experienced a global pandemic. We have experienced civil unrest. We have experienced a political season like that, like none other has ever been known be been known before. Then after that, we are on the verge of global conflict, even. As we speak, the nations of this world are gathered are gathered together, uh, really to fight against one another. We are also even in our own nation. We are seeing we are seeing the the the, the effects of 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 a of what some economists are calling a recession. That we are on the brink of going into a recession. People are trying to figure out how that they are going to spread and spend their uh, uh, stretch their dollar out to put gas in their uh, gas in their gas tank and how they're going to be able to put food on their table. How they're going to be able to to handle the things. As a matter of fact, I were talking. I was talking to uh, several other ministers this uh, this uh, this week and. Churches are now canceling revivals because because the financial burden has just become uh, uh, too much to bear. Uh, evangelists are now staying at home because it's getting it's costing so much to be able just to fill up a tank, uh, just to be able to fill up a tank to go from point A to point B. And everywhere that we look, everywhere that we look, the enemy is trying to come. Against the people of God. Not only 
is spiritual warfare at an all-time high in the in in the in the arena. Let's just talk about this for a moment. In the arena of of sin right now, I I I can sit here and I can talk to you. We all you have to do is turn on the news or go through social media, and you are seeing the onslaught that is happening against the church and against. And against things that are going on right now, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're oblivious to that sort of thing, you ought to see what's going on where worldwide ministries are shutting down or having to, or, or, or are having to, to reorganize because of corruption that is going on inside of their walls and inside of their doors. Not only is the sin issue that is going on, but there's also the world that is fighting that is fighting against the church where we want to be, they, they say, well, what you need to do is you need to be a little bit more accepting. You need to be a little bit more uh, uh, tolerant. You need to, uh, you, you don't need to offend anybody. You need to be politically correct. But then we have the enemy of our soul, Satan, that is fighting against us. Peter would say that, that Satan is roaming about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus is saying that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Can I tell you that Satan's main desire for your life is to snuff it out. Amen? And so... When we look at all of that, when we see all of that that is going on, we, if I can just be honest with you, many Christians right now are becoming weary. Many, many saints are becoming, uh, are, 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 are being downcast. They are, they are, are under a load of a oppression or depression because of the way that the enemy is trying to fight against them. But I've come by here tonight, church, to let you know that there is a strategy for the child of God to fight against everything that the enemy in the world and sin is trying to do to you. And it is found in Ephesians chapter 6 when, when Paul the Apostle would write in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, and he would say, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord... And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And I want to draw your attention to verse 13 here, because look at what the Apostle Paul would write. He would say, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. I want you to read. I want you to look at that again. Having done all that you can possibly do. God gives us one command. Stand. When you've done, when, when you have tried to figure out the best way that you possibly can, stand. When, 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 you've, when you've went through the list and you've looked through all the details and you don't know what else to do, stand. 
When it seems like that nothing is working, and it seems like that the that the more you pray, the worse it gets. Stand. When it seems like that that the whole world is crumbling around you, Paul says, stand. Stand. Be stable. When the world is doing everything that it can to get you to give in and to compromise, stand. When trials come your way, when difficulties come your way, when circumstances beyond your control come your way, stand. When sickness comes your way and the doctor says that this, this is what is going on in your body, Paul says to stand. When fear tries to creep in and doubt and intimidation try to rear its ugly head in your life and in your family, the Bible says to stand. Having done all to stand, keep on standing. That word stand simply means to be flat-footed. That means to be unmovable. That means we're not going back and forth. We're not, we're not reeling to and fro. That means that what we are standing on is secure. Having done all to stand, stand. When you've done everything else, stand. When you've prayed all your prayers, stand. When you've given all that you can give, stand. Because here's the thing. This life that we are living in, this battle that we're fighting, we are not called to just simply endure, but we are called to win. Oh. Oh, we are not called simply to just endure. We are called to win. Do I have any winners in the house tonight? We are not called, we are not called simply just to get by. We are not called simply to just to survive this, but we are called to win. And we have been destined to win. And so the Bible says that when we've done everything that we can possibly do, Stand in the strength, in the power of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Can I tell you what is so significant about standing? Because I want to give you four things here for just a minute about standing. But I want to share this here with you. You see, in the Roman times, their shoes that they would wear in the Roman armies, they were, they were attached with little spikes under them so that when they would go to war, they wouldn't slip. We wear them today for sports. They're called cleats. In the Roman armies were the first people to actually wear such a shoe because it would help them in their fight. It would help them in getting a sure footing so that they wouldn't slip. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. And so when you stand, you got to make sure that you have the right footing. That you're standing on the right thing. 
And if we are going to make it, we have got to stand through everything. So I want to give you four things real quick. I'm going to make this quick. Are you ready? Number one, the Bible says that we've got to stand for. We are Christ's witnesses. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, he says, you shall be my witnesses after you have received the Holy Ghost. Spirit-filled people are witnesses. We talked about, we talked a little bit about that on Sunday morning. Spirit-filled people are people who are people of witness. They stand for Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 5 and verse 20, when Peter and John were in prison and the angel comes and releases them from prison, the angel gives them an instruction. Says, go back and tell them all the words of this life. That means when you go back, you stand for Jesus. That means when everything is going wrong around you, you still stand for Jesus. When the world has lost their mind and men don't know if they're men and women don't know if they're women and everything is going on that is crazy, you, you stand for something. We have to stand for purity. Come on, you ain't going to help me preach here tonight. We've got to stand for life, both in the womb and outside of the womb. Don't tell me that you, that you care about unborn babies when you don't care about the babies that are out on the streets that don't have anything. Oh, you've got to stand for something. We've got to stand for righteousness and holy living. I still believe that God's holiness, that, God, that holiness is still God's standard of living for his people. As a matter of fact, let me just do some good holiness preaching right now. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and without holiness and without which no man shall see the Lord. If you are not living a holy lifestyle, you can't see God. You've got to stand for righteousness and holiness. We've got to stand for the broken and the hurting. We've got to stand for biblical principles. Having done all to stand, we've got to stand therefore. And we've got to stand up for some things. It is now is not the time for the church to be quiet. Now is not the time for the church to cower in a corner somewhere. It is time for the church of the living God to stand for Jesus. I feel like singing that old song that says, I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. Where are the men and women that will stand for righteousness, for holiness, for purity, for the things of the gospel? Let, oh my goodness. The Bible says let God arise and his enemies be scattered. We've got to stand for something. Yeah. Amen. Number two. I told you this is going to be quick. Number two. We got to, one, number one, we got to stand for something. Number two, we got to stand against. If you naturally stand for something, you'll naturally stand against something. Can I tell you what the restraining force in the earth is today? So that all out hell does not break loose on this earth? It is the church. It is the restraining force. It is the spirit filled church in this earth today. That is the restraining force 
that keeps hell from running amok all over the place. You think it's bad right now. Imagine if the church was not here. Now, I know that the church gets a, I know that the church, a lot of people like to condemn the church. And yet, and the church does have its faults. And did we have, have the, has church throughout history done everything perfect? Absolutely not. But I want to tell you, we ought to thank God that God has, still has a people, that God still has a spirit filled people in this earth today, that God still has a remnant that'll stand against the evils of this day, that'll look the devil in the eye. And when the devil tries to come against our family, and when the the devil tries to come against our communities and the devil tries to come against our nation, we can stand up against it and say, I don't know what everybody else is going to do, but I know that as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. You see, we are the restraining force against the powers of hell. Jesus said that we ought to be salt and that we ought to be light. We need to be salt and we need to be light. What does salt do? Salt does two things. So salt preserves. And salt adds flavor. Salt preserves. And salt adds flavor. Salt that does not affect the food that we eat. Is no good. You put salt on your food to add flavor. Maybe to make that bland food taste a little bit better. And so is with the church. When the church calls us salt. When we go out into the community, we ought to add some flavor to what is going on in the world today. But then the second thing that salt does is that salt preserves. Salt is the preserving factor. You can salt something and it'll preserve it. If we, it's, that's the reason why that Jesus would call us salt because as salt, we are apt and we are able to be sprinkled out for the preservation of some things. If we are truly salt people, the word of God is preserved. There is an attack against the word of God in this day and in this age right now. But we as the people as salt need to preserve the things that are important. He also called us light. He said, ye are the light of the world. Light dispels darkness. We're living in an age right now in the American church that we as the church are comfortable with the darkness. We are comfortable with the darkness. Oh, I, I don't want to take too much time preaching right here. But because I don't want to get off, I don't want to get off on a tangent. But when we become comfortable with the darkness before too long the darkness will affect us and we won't be able to see mm. but if we are the light light should dispel darkness everywhere that the 
church goes, everywhere that the body goes, it should dispel darkness. I, I will tell you, I will tell you this. Let me just say this, and, and, and I'll, I'll try not to make this too too um, too long here. I applaud the church over this last week, and I'm talking about the church in general. That the church in general spoke up and said, we will not take our kids to go see, to go see the movie. I know this is going to go out, and I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. I don't know what anybody has watched or anything like that. But said, we will not take our kids to go see Lightyear. We will not go see something that a corporation has already decided. What we want to do is we want to show your kids that it's okay to live an alternate lifestyle. That it's okay for men to sleep with men. And it's okay for women to sleep with women. And it's okay for we, 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 we want to indoctrinate your Oh, you better do some research because you'll find out that that's the goal right now in America right now. And the church stood up. And what they are saying now is that it was one of the biggest box office failures over the last several years. And can I tell you, that's what happens when the church stands up and says, we won't take that garbage. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting ready to preach here. Because here's the thing, when the church of the living God stands up, when the church of the living God arises and we dispel darkness, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that He was the light of the world and the darkness could not comprehend it. It could not overtake. That's what that word comprehend means. When the church stands against the things of the enemy, I want to tell you the enemy cannot stand against us. The Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee from you. If you just say Get thee behind me, Satan. He'll have to flee. Amen. Romans 12 and 9 says this. Hate that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. Do you know it's okay to hate some things? It's okay to hate what God hates. You know the book of Proverbs says that there are six things that God hates, yea, seven are an abomination. A proud look. Oh, he don't like he don't like pride. Hands that shed innocent blood. <laughs> People who are quick to do mischief. Oh, come on. A lion. Tongue. Oh, he didn't care whether or not if it's just a little white lie. He, caught, he says, I hate those things. And it's okay to hate what God hates. Uh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting tonight. It's okay to hate what God hates. And I believe that there, need, that there needs to be some spirit-filled Christians that need to stand up in this last day and age and begin to hate some things that God hates. So we've got to stand against some things in this last day. Number three, 
we've got to stand together. We can't do this battle alone. We are the body. Satan desires to divide and conquer. Satan wants to divide the church. Satan wants to divide the home. So that we can get, so he can get us by ourselves. And in getting us by ourselves, he can overtake us. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And if we are, the, as the people of God, if we are divided, Satan can conquer us. But when we are united together, can I tell you what being united will do? Unity will cause the anointing to flow. Psalm 133 would say how good and how pleasant it is for brother to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that flowed down Aaron's beard from the head all the way down. And read it because at the end of that chapter, it's only just a few verses long. But the Bible says that because of the unity, God commanded the blessing over. Can you imagine being and standing together in such unity that when you stand together in unity, God releases the anointing and in releasing the anointing, He commands a blessing over the church. Oh my goodness. uh, Okay, here we go. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm almost done with this. Can you believe that? I'm almost done with it, but I gotta say, I've got to stand here and I've got to say this. Sometimes we do not walk in blessing because of disfellowship with people. Our God is a God of reconciliation. Our God is a God of restoration. And he see the entire Bible is about restoration and reconciliation. I'll say that again. The entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about restoration and reconciliation. As a matter of fact, the Bible here, can I just tell you this? If you're not right with your brother and sister, you can't be right with God. I'm going to say that again. If you can't be right with your brother and sister, you can't be right with God. Because listen to this. Do you know, I, this is not even my notes. Give me, give, me, give me a minute to go down this rapid trail. Because I just want to preach this just for a moment. Do you know that God won't even accept your worship? Amen. If reconciliation between your brother and sister has not been made. Amen. I've got Bible for it. The Bible says, Jesus speaking and says, When you come to the altar to offer your gift. And you realize that your brother and sister has something against you. You go to them and you become reconciled and then you come back to the altar and you offer the gift. Mm. See, we've got to stand together because here's the thing. When we stand together, we can overcome anything. 
What does the Bible say? The Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put what? 10,000 to flight. It's the law. It is the law of synergy. When we come together, miracles happen. We've got to stand together. And then fourth, and I'm done. We've got to stand up. We've got to stand up and bring a message of hope to this world. Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says that God commanded Ezekiel to stand up and to speak. To stand up and to speak. You know, the Bible says that when Ezekiel stood up and he started speaking, when Ezekiel stood up and he started speaking, the Spirit entered him. Read it. When he stood up to speak, the Spirit entered him. When he stood on his feet and he began to speak what God told him to speak, the Spirit came into him. You see, Here's the issue. You ready? I'm gonna bring this. I'm gonna bring this to a close. The issue is simply this: the reason why in a lot of spirit-filled churches we're not seeing a lot of spirit-filled meetings is because there's not a lot of people that are standing up and declaring what God has told them to declare. And God's challenge for the church today is to stand up. Now is not the time for us. To be idle Christians. Now is not the time for us to be passive Christians. Now is not the time for us. See, there, see, there can be a revival. See, I told you Sunday morning that sometimes prophetic words are not so much about inevitability as they are about possibility. Because God wants to reveal what He wants to do, but we've got to work in tandem with that. And if we're lazy Christians, it is about the kingdom. And it is time for the church of the living God to stand up, to rise up, and to be what the church, what God has called the church to be. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Regardless of what it is that you're going through, regardless of what it is that you're facing, regardless of the circumstances that are going on in the world today, the church can stand. For centuries, Satan has tried to take out the church, has tried to silence the church. But you want to know the thing? You want to know the good thing? The church is still standing. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have to stand up. There was an old song that we used to sing years ago. It was even out before I was even born. That said... Through my disappointments, strife and discontentment, I cast my every care upon the Lord. No matter what obsession, pain or deep depression, I'm standing on the solid rock.
Now I'm pressing onward. Each step leaves me homeward. I'm trusting in my Savior day by day. And close is our relation. Sure is its foundation. So on this solid rock, I'll stand. And then they would say, I'm standing on the rock of ages. Safe from all the storms that rages. Rich, but not by Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. It's time for the church to stand. Can you say amen? Stand with me all over this house. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.